You're listening to the voice of Doc. I'm Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. And today's story is the first of two parts of Come the Storm by Tony Gray Fox, who has been writing furry fiction for longer than he likes to admit. This story was a runner-up in the Rain First Yearly Writing Contest 2014 and appeared in the next year's charity anthology. Tony's work has also been featured in anthologies like Inhuman Acts and The Furry Future, Heat Magazine and others. You can find more of his stories on SoFurry. Please enjoy Come the Storm by Tony Grayfox. Crutch, crutch, crunch. The sound was incessant, inescapable. With each footfall it came. Sometimes it was accompanied by a puff of dust that rose and spread and drifted to the earth like a dirty brown flower, blooming and falling back to seed. Crunch, crunch, crunch. It sounded, to Talia's mind, like bones. Bones broken, shattered, chewed. Intellectually, she knew it was nothing more than dry grass crunching under her hooves, but it clawed and bit at her imagination like, well, like a predator. She sighed, shifting her burden in its sling across her slim back, and continued on. Ahead, the sea of dry grass spread into the distance across undulating hills, eventually lapping up against a shoreline of dull green, the oak-bent forest that sprawled across foothills and up the slopes of the mountain range marking the southern border of Oak Valley. Talia had been walking for a day, and that forest still seemed as far away as when she had left the village. And with each step, each crunch of bone-dry grass, each puff of dust settling into her fur, the weight of her pack grew. The deer paused as a wisp of cloud provided momentary respite from the high summer sun above. She considered a sip of water, but decided against it. The streams between the village and Oakbend were likely dry. Like everything else. She scuffed a hoof through the dust and carried on. It had been many years since the grass had gone this dry, but the elders remembered what had happened before. Stories passed down from generation to generation, about the long summers and the suffering that had followed, famine and death through the cold winters that invariably came on the heels of the heat. According to the ancient Doe who led the village, this was the first long summer in many years, and the worst in memory. Without the rains, there would be no harvest, no food for the winter. And there was only one way to bring the rains. Talia's parents had been thrilled at her selection from the youth of the village. Tall, lithe, strong, a powerful runner, she was an ideal choice, the elder had said. Goods had been packed, oats, bread, herbs, spices, and wrapped carefully into the bundle Talia carried on her back. The entire village had seen her off. The elder had walked her out the gate in the old stone wall. Go south, south to the Oakbend Forest, she'd been told. And when I get there, she had asked. I do not know. The histories do not say, but you will find out, and we will be saved. So the ancestors have said. And so Talia walked, amid the crunch of dry grass and the scent of dry dirt and the heat of the blazing sun above. A breeze riffled through the grass, a whisper amid the crackling. Talia lifted her muzzle and sniffed, her ears perked, 
and she turned aside, breaking into a ground-eating trot, nose raised. In a fold of ground partly hidden from the sun's heat, she found a small patch of light green. It smelled of spring and moisture and slaked her thirst as she bit off mouthfuls, chewing slowly to savor the taste. Something thumped nearby. Talia's ears shot upright, and she leaped out of the hollow in one powerful bound. Her head swiveled, eyes scanning the grass, coming to rest on a dark mass huddled some twenty strides away. It stood slowly, dusting off, scowling at a rock previously hidden in the grass but now visible amid the broken stalks. Stupid rocks, the bobcat muttered, adjusting his light tunic. A short sword dangling from his belt caught in his feet for a moment, and he nearly tripped again before recovering his composure. His head swiveled, feline eyes locked with servine eyes, and both creatures froze. Talia broke the silence first, every muscle tense to bolt. Who are you? she called warily. Um, my name is Kristen. I'm from Shortcliffe over there. The young cat pointed back towards the barely visible bluffs far in the distance. Talia had heard the name before, but the villages were far enough apart to prevent much direct contact. Who are you? Talia of Green Downs. She edged closer to the feline, still ready to bolt, and with one hoof ready near the short, sharp knife belted at her waist. Do you follow the pact? <laughs> of course, his reply was indignant. We're a civilized village. Shortcliffe raises and trades pigs and sheep. Our elders agreed to the pact four generations ago. The deer relaxed, straightening. I apologize for causing offense, but being here so far from others, caution is paramount. Deer are always curious in my experience, Kristen stepped forward, sniffing at the air. I send in water. Why I come closer? It's not much water, and you'll have to chew grass to get it, but you're welcome to share. Ugh. His face crinkled at her description, but he still made his way into the hollow. Well, I do what I must. The only running water I'm aware of is still days away. Talia watched in interest as the feline neatly clipped off stalks of grass near the ground with sharp claws. Where are you bound, if I may ask? she inquired, squatting on her rise and smoothing her short skirt. Outbend forest. Her surprise was obvious. Kristen looked up, head tilted. Is something wrong? No, no, just... I'm going to Oakbend as well. Talia stepped carefully back into the hollow and took another mouthful of grass. It just seems odd that we would cross paths and be going to the same place. Kristen shrugged. Our elders believe that we can be saved from the hot summer by sending a tribute to Oakbend. I was chosen as our representative. He turned slightly to display the pack slung over his back. Now, that was too much of a coincidence, Talia thought. Our elders have the same legend. I am making the same journey. Really? He blinked. That is odd. Indeed. The two young creatures stared at each other for a long moment. Perhaps we could travel together? Kristen suggested, cautiously. After all, two can travel more safely. Talia deliberated a moment. Kristen was not exactly the protective type. He was some inches shorter than she. But he was a feline. His claws would be beneficial, should anything threaten them, that she could not outrun, at least. 
And if he lived by the pact, well, she would likely be safe with him. She nodded. Two together can pick out water and safe routes better than one. I agree. Good, he smiled, a lopsided grin that Talia realized was shaped to keep sharp teeth hidden. To be honest, I was feeling rather alone out here. I know your meaning. Talia took one last bite of grass and stood. I'm used to being around the rest of our youth around much of the time, she grimaced. So noisy. The quiet has been almost peaceful, except this constant crunching. Kristen followed the doe out of the hollow. The two pointed their noses south, towards the green of the forest once again. You are lucky, Talia. My cousins and our other youth are all much younger than I. You look strong and fast, though, she grinned. Shall we see whether you can keep up with a deer? Is that a challenge? I think I would be capable enough. Then come, Kristen of Shortcliffe. See if you are up to my pace. With that, Talia leaped into the grass in a quick trot that drove her forward amid the swish and crunch. She threw herself into the run, enjoying the sensation of the wind blowing across her perked ears, the feel of the ground passing by. Another crunching caught her attention, and she looked to one side. Kristen grinned, the bobcat loping easily on all fours, tufted ears raising and ruffling in the wind. Perhaps deer should ask if they are up to a cat's pace. Hey, she shouted as the feline moved ahead. With a wide grin, she set off in pursuit. Trading the lead back and forth, the two young creatures covered plenty of ground before twilight settled across the rolling grasslands. A surprising amount, in fact. Talia looked ahead at the forest, which had grown significantly closer in the few hours they had trotted along with one another. I think if we can travel at that kind of speed, we may reach the forest in two more days, the doe said, settling the pack containing her tribute carefully down. What do you think? Kristen grunted in response. Talia looked at the bobcat, who had collapsed on his back to punt. I think deer have far more endurance than we cats. Perhaps three days, then, she giggled, as Kristen rolled over to sprawl on his stomach in the grass. She opened her food pack and drew some items out. Can I offer you some trail bread? It has little flavour, but it's very nourishing. Ah, oh, uh, thank you, but no. He eyed the bread warily. I have my own trail food. It's dried, well. She caught the scent and shuddered. Meat. Only hand-raised sheep, the cat clarified quickly, and some fish, the last of our stock from last spring's fishing. I understand, she said soothingly, but, well, I will sit over here. Kristen watched as she moved around to settle upwind of him and nodded. Of course. Talia took a bite of the hard bread and kept her eyes averted while Kristen ate his own meat. I admit to having little dealings with meat-eaters. Our village is quite isolated that way. We see more of the grasslanders, I suppose, the bobcat mused. Our village trades regularly with the larger towns and cities across the mountains. Our farmers raise both food animals and grains for trade to all. I would like to go to the cities one day. Talia leaned back and sighed, staring at the sprinkling of stars becoming visible as night spread across the plains. They must be very pleasant. And everyone respects the pact. Kristen wrapped his supplies carefully and set them back in his pack. 
Everyone respects the pack here too, Talia. Perhaps from your village. We hear stories sometimes from villages to the east. Packs of hunters still on the prowl. Then those villages are breaking the laws set out by our leaders and by the priests of the hunt. Kristen spat harshly. Priests? You have no priests? Who conducts the ceremonies and celebrations for you people? The cat sat back up, looking over curiously. Well, the elders, I suppose. Are the priests elders? Sometimes. Sometimes they're young people who have given their time to the lord of the hunt. Kristen shrugged. I've always had a priest of the hunt in my village. Today they tell us that the lords, those that have gone before us and watch over our hunting from above, give us prosperity through large, healthy herds rather than successful hunts. Talia shuddered again. And before, these priests celebrated the hunt from my people and the other grass-eaters? Not any more, Kristen said emphatically, and with a tone that suggested the conversation was over. Talia stared at the stars, silently for long moments. We should sleep. The forest is still many hours of travel away. Yes. Good night, Talia. Good night, Kristen. The two creatures settled into the grass, alone with their thoughts, watching the heavens spread above them, finally bringing sleep. It was odd travelling with someone who was not a deer, but Talia found it more relaxing than crossing the plains on her own. Kristen proved to be pleasant company. Quiet and retiring much of the time, he had his share of stories to tell as the two walked, and often loped, towards the growing forest ahead. You say traders have made their way to your village from the cities? she asked curiously. We see city folk very infrequently. One came through two years ago, a squirrel. He dressed in fine clothes and rode an ox with chests strapped to it. The elders gave him a portion of our harvest for the year and said it was to pay a tax to the Prince of Avondale. We barely knew we were part of that country. We had a similar thing happen, Kristen said. Though our visitor was a cougar and he had three coyotes pulling a cart. If I recall, the mayor gave him a barrel of fish that had been poorly smoked to get rid of it. Talia giggled. I'm sure the prince appreciated that gift. I'm sure. Kristen flashed the grin at the doe. But yes, traders do come. We get fine fabrics like these, he gestured to his tunic, for our goods. My mother is a seamstress and makes excellent clothing. Talia looked down at her own clothing, a simple shirt and skirt, belted at the waist. We trade for wool and other products and make our own cloth back home, she sighed quietly. I would like to see more of the world. Why don't you? the bobcat inquired. What keeps you in green downs? Well, my parents, of course, my family. I can't leave them behind. They need me to help with planting and harvesting, gathering food and herbs. She shrugged. Maybe one day. But first I need to finish this task and help the village. That I understand. I have my task as well. Kristen paused a moment, sniffing at the air, then continued. But I know that I likely go to a shrine to the Lord of the Hunt, or so the priest told me. What do you go to? Talia frowned at the question. The elder could not tell me that. I assume it would be, well... Something similar, I suppose. Something or somebody who could tell me the secret, teach me some way to help the village. 
But who would that be? Do your kind look to any creatures like the Lord's? No, not in the way you describe. We look to the sun for life. At least the elders tell us that. Talia gestured to the cloudless sky, waves of heat rising in ripples from the grasslands all around. And sometimes the sun expresses displeasure with us for her own reasons. None have explained why she would cast such a harsh gaze on her chosen. The lords of the hunt never give an explanation for good or bad years either. It is, perhaps, not for us to know. The bobcat raised his face as a breeze curled across the plain. Do you smell that? Talia lifted her nose and forced her senses to ignore the predator scent from close by. Dry grass, a hint of water in the distance, perhaps a slight spicy tinge that might be the forests? She shook her head. Nothing unexpected. Are your hunt spirits following us, perhaps? Perhaps they are. Perhaps I'm being tested. He chuckled lightly. Of course, they would be very upset with me, running alongside a grass-eater as friends, not foes. They ran again, jogging easily across the rolling grasslands. Talia watched the feline as they went, his ears perked, their tufts streaming almost comically, and considered his words. She had heard the stories that creatures could live together in peace, that predator and prey lived together in the cities, albeit mostly those along the borders, where it made more sense that the residents of Avondale and Southmoor blended more closely. In the back hills of Avondale, where villages of deer, squirrels, and others had been established for safety amid the greater population of meat-eaters, such blending was still far from the norm. But why should it be, she asked herself. Here she was, running with a feline, both of them seeking help for their people. How different were they, truly? Talia smiled to herself and put on a burst of speed, passing her new friend, for that was what he was. Kristen squawked when the doe pulled ahead of him with a laugh and a mocking tail flash, and the chase was on. Their laughter drowned out the crunch of dry grass as the two young creatures raced across the plains. This was the first of two parts of Come the Storm by Tony Gray Fox, read for you by Kaki, your faithful fireside companion. Tune in next time to find out how Talia and Kristen's journey together continues and how they face the dangers and mysteries that arise under the heat of the summer sun as they seek a solution to their shared troubles. You can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.